0: And of course, making it a really safe space, so kind of reiterating when you first start off your workshop to really leave your badge at the door, that while we're having Beanie Babies pelted at us, we are all equals. No one is better than another person. Hello, you've reached Hotline Design Podcast. How may we help you? And welcome back to Hotline Design Podcast. In this week's episode, we talk workshops, top tips for facilitating them, looking at how to make them work remotely in lockdown, and tales of our workshop, Hits and Misses. So Lavinia, Yusin, how have your
1: weeks been? Oh, hello. Um, It's so nice to chat to you guys again. So my week has been mostly about starting a new job on Monday, which I'm really excited about. My excitement mainly started when I got my my kit delivered and I was so happy that I got like the latest Mac and like the latest keyboard and the latest mouse. And I was like geeking about that. And I was also really happy about the fact that those were just given from the start because at the organization that we met, we kind of had to ask very politely but consistently. For a Mac we had to ask for software. We had to go through hoops to get things like sketch and envision. So yeah, I just it just made me really happy that I was just getting the basics of what I need from the get go. So yeah, I'm just excited to, to start. That's that's right maybe... tools for the job. Exactly. Yeah and from a kind of like design perspective i watched a really good talk on youtube it was about 45 minutes Uh, and i think it's called doing design research right by erica hall i have a quote from it that i really enjoyed and it said um design projects move at the speed of decision making and i was like i'm gonna quote this in meetings (laughs) i'm gonna go to my stakeholders and be like look We can only move as fast as you make decisions. So that's my design sprinkle.
0: It would be a great tattoo because you're supposed to tattoo things that are quite (laughs) meaningful to you. (laughs) It's like on your arm, just pull back your sleeve to reveal to your
1: stakeholders. Look, Erica Hall said it, not me.
2: I love that. Imagine going on holiday and then, you know, just, right, like wearing a bathing suit if you're at the beach and then just having all these like quotes or words of wisdom tattooed on your forearm. I think that's hilarious. (laughs) Designers flocking to me
1: for all the design wisdom on my body. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Yousseen, how was your week?
2: Yeah, my week's been pretty good as well. I would say it's been very insightful. I've been running a lot of user interviews um, on this product that we're working on improving. And I think it's been so, so nice to talk to people a change rather than just kind of being on my own it's i think really good to do user research just because you definitely kind of understand where people are coming from and i think it's just been really inspirational for me to kind of understand why i need to make this product better because it has such a huge impact on the way people work or pretty much like on on their customers lives as well So without going into too much detail, I know it sounds a bit sort of fuzzy, but I think I've definitely enjoyed talking to different users of this product that I'm working on and helping to get insights that will hopefully improve the overall experience. I've just kind of been going through some of the quotes in the interview and because I'm unfortunately not allowed to use any collaboration tools due to data privacy. I have resorted to doing things the super old-fashioned way, as you can probably see on my wall, um, just kind of writing quotes up and post-its and using my blank wall as a sort of canvas to do affinity clustering, which I think has been quite nice. I've I've definitely missed that. So yeah, that's pretty much been my week. And so I've just kind of been listening in on Clubhouse Talks. It's been really fun. I did manage to catch everyone's favorite, Praise Pablo be. Stanley and Clubhouse as well earlier this week. So that was really, really nice. So that's pretty much how it's uh, been going. How how's your week been, Lauren?
0: Yeah, good. Thanks, Susan. I love like all your friends over at Clubhouse. And I always feel like you're hanging out with such a pack of cool kids. It's just great. I like I love to see it. And I definitely need to drop into Clubhouse a bit more. Um, But yeah, my week has been going really well. I have just come off the back of three weeks with six half-day workshops, so I am ready for this topic. Lots of user interviews, uh, which as Yusin has mentioned, is really great because you just get to talk to more people uh, in these kind of tumultuous times. Uh, So it's just really nice to have a conversation with people and have that kind of water cooler chat that I find I miss a lot of. Um, And then from a personal perspective, I am going to be moving flats soon. And there are so many design decisions that go into moving to a flat that is unfurnished. My mom confronted me and said, Lauren, what is your color palette for the living room? And I spiraled into the same predicament I had with my portfolio, which is like what does this color say about me? Will this color be like outdated soon? Is this a practical color? What if I spill something on a couch that's like a bright color, then what? Um, so yes.
2: I feel like you need to read that book about articulating design decisions that Lavinia has just finished. And you'll be able to play these design decisions back to your key stakeholders, i.e. your mum and your partner.
0: Yeah, just set up a Zoom. Thank you so much for joining me today. And
2: I just have like all
0: these like swatches behind me. Yeah, I I didn't know I had such a problem with uh, choosing colors. And we briefly spoke about this earlier, Lavinia. But yeah, you saying that you wear a lot of blacks, neutrals. And I I find I couldn't agree more. Also, I'd like to give a shout out to Yusin for a great doodle pun she made this week. But my mind was just a bit too broken with the colors to understand it. Um, It was... Yeah it was a little guy with a giant fork hoisting like a big stake in the air Um, and then she just presented it to both Lavinia and I. Lavinia immediately got it but took me a second Uh, but it was in fact a stakeholder and it was amazing and definitely a highlight of the week. So thank you for that Yusin.
1: We will probably have a podcast about like dealing with stakeholders and we can't wait to share that like doodle as part of of that podcast it was it was brilliant thank you it was great i was like meat man
0: meaty fork boy (laughs) so (laughs) thank you for
2: explaining the doodle to me (laughs) that's okay um i just have to make it look more (laughs) like a steak next time but i'm really happy to hear that you guys enjoyed that so Hopefully, we'll be able to show that little doodle soon, kind of showcase it. But thank you, Lauren.
0: Amazing. And so this week, you know that we're talking about workshops. So just off the bat, Lavinia, can you kind of explain what a workshop really
1: encompasses? So we are diving deep into not only workshops, but also kind of being a good facilitator, um, as I think um facilitators are the key of a of a good workshop like a really good facilitator can probably bring it to life while someone less experienced can kind of just get overwhelmed by all the input um so as per usual we have a definition for workshop facilitation from the Niels and norman group friends of the pod they don't know they are yet but Yep. they're kind of parents of the pod and they oh don't my god, know it. yes, that's so so like such a better like definition definitely parents of the pod. So they say that uh, the w- workshop facilitation is the act of providing unobtrusive objective guidance to a group in order to collaboratively progress towards a goal. So I think from that, the biggest takeaway is for us to remember that a workshop is a collaboration session. We all probably have been in workshops that have actually been just meetings and it's, and it's really kind of important to remember that it's, it's a collaboration session. And I do like that in that article where I took the, the workshop uh, definition from, they had four kind of goals or principles that I think are really good to be laid out maybe at the start of a workshop so those are full and equal participation so making sure that everyone is heard and that there's no one kind of like sitting at the back that isn't really able to uh, participate then we have mutual understanding inclusive and collaborative decision making and shared responsibility And they also had somewhere, kind of like at the end, something about embracing conflict where we are kind of like allowed to disagree respectfully to kind of make sure that we probably come up with with the best solutions. And yeah, those are kind of like the goals. So... If we look online, we probably know that there are so many types of workshops. If anyone has um, read Sprint, you probably know that as part of a design Sprint, there's literally like dozens of mini workshops that you do. But some of the most common ones are probably discovery workshops. So when you start a project, you probably want to find out as much information as possible. So that's kind of the purpose. Then if you are working with users, you probably have empathy workshops, so you want to understand their needs very well. Um, You can also have design workshops where you kind of get perspectives from everyone to kind of get a good set of ideas. Some of my favorite workshops are the prioritization workshops. I think I thrive when I know a clear goal and I feel like once we start converging and prioritizing what we need to do, um, those workshops I I find to be really productive and then if you ever need a design critique you can also set it up as a workshop and you can make sure that all the design decisions um, align to user needs and ask people for critiques on your designs that's that's basically it and we also have a lot of tips for you so we've got five
0: top tips for helping you run an amazing workshop so i think the first thing that is Really central is to really understand the workshop purpose. So, asking why is it important? What is the value of this workshop? And we're asking about what the value is to the participants, to the business, uh, to you as the facilitator, really understanding what each person's going to get out of it. Then we need to kind of look at some of the outputs, and it can kind of help to, in a way, like work backwards. So At the end of the workshop, what do you want to know? What do you need to know? What do you want to be left? So understanding kind of what those outputs are and then what you're gonna do with those. And then of course, we've got the journey. So what kind of journey do you want to bring the participants on? What kind of, do you want them to leave the room knowing or feeling? Is it that they've been heard? Is it that they've had a hand in designing the solution? Was it to educate them? on processes, co-creation, so really having the purpose in mind, both when creating the workshop, during the workshop, and then after the workshop is essential.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think building on those points, once you've kind of got a defined purpose of why you're doing this workshop and what exactly those objectives are, that really helps you come up with a structure for the workshop. And we find generally from past experiences that it's best when the structure kind of articulates a clear narrative. If you have a series of activities that continue building on each other, that really helps with the flow and progression of the workshop. And a suggested sort of structure that we normally go into would be, first of all, setting the introduction, probably taking a few minutes of the day to do a quick sort of recap of the objectives of the session to set expectations. Um, If you're bringing a group of people together who have kind of come together for this workshop for the first time, it can be quite nice to have a little icebreaker in between just to make it a bit more fun and, you know, um, I think make the atmosphere a bit more engaging and enthusiastic. And then often we also play back the agenda in this introduction section just to make sure that everyone has a clear idea of how the day will progress or how, you know, those two hours are going to unfold. And then we would then sort of segue into an initial activity, kind of have a break in between, put in a second activity, uh, put a break in between that as well. And then often at the end of the day of the day, it's good to have a playback section where people just kind of go through everything that they've discussed and then have a wrap up and focus on next steps. So that's quite important. And I think ties back to Lauren, your earlier point about really making sure everyone understands the outputs and what will become of this work. A sort of tip as well is when you're planning out the structure of a workshop, what someone told me, which I found really, really useful, was that if you can sort of map out your agenda in Excel and then kind of color code it according to the different types of activities you'll experience. So for example, if I type out my agenda and then I make all the activities purple and I make the breaks blue, then you can very quickly see, I think. Um, the sort of split between the different types of activities so if you have too many purple blocks then it's quite nice to put in some more blue blocks and have some breaks and I think this really helps just in terms of energizing people because sometimes a workshop can carry on for quite long and especially now it's good to have breaks in between so that people have a chance to Mm -hmm. kind of think over some of the things that they've covered.
1: I've definitely been in these workshops where I felt like my brain wasn't functioning anymore because we were there for like three hours and there was no breaks in between and they would want us to kind of collaborate and give us our best ideas and everything but after like three hours it it just felt like we a lot of us were just drained so just wanted to emphasize um the the importance and yeah just kind of
0: i love that like i have nothing more to give please let me see my family again (laughs) definitely they're like, no, iterate, ideate. Like, please, I have a papparino at home.
2: Yep, that, that, will, that will definitely be me. So yeah, structure breaks are important. Key takeaway. And then just kind of moving on to the next tip we have, which is all about timekeeping. I think often you, there is such a huge temptation to try and cover absolutely everything off the earth in workshops, but you know, if you set in, if you set up a workshop for a specific time then it really earns people's trust I think when you're able to kind of end punctually and respect people's time and one way of just ensuring this is really to play back that agenda at the start make sure that everyone um, knows how much time is going to take for each activity or you know roughly the amount of time ensure that um, for the sections where you have a break, you kind of um, reflect how long the break is going to take and communicate what time people are expected to return, especially in collaborative workshops, and also just give them a glimpse of the upcoming activity. And one thing that's really helpful is just to have a timer for collaborative workshops, specifically, a lot of the time, I think we use Miro or Mural, which have an inbuilt timer, but if not, if you're just kind of doing a quick activity, that doesn't involve like a whiteboarding tool. You can use Google Timer, which has a somewhat piercing, really shrill alarm, but it, it works quite well. Or I think as as you're planning out the agenda as well, if you just kind of drop down the time each activity will start at and what time that activity will finish, it really does help keep you on track and make sure that you're sticking to the proposed timeframe. I
0: love it. And then in terms of, of running a successful workshop you need to have energizers and you need to have fun people will be far more engaged if they have fun so definitely pulling on that kind of idea of being a camp counselor I once had a friend who said that she always even on resumes now puts that she was a camp counselor uh I that might be an exclusively Canadian thought but it Really is about facilitating, energizing a group of people all to come together, all to work together and have fun. And then it's so important to, as Yusen mentioned, have icebreakers, especially when people are first coming into the room. It really sets the tone. So I kind of like the combination of like a bit of an intro where, you know, you say your name, you say like maybe your, your title or what area of the business you're part of. But then there's like a fun question. And I've had some really good ones in the past. So one that was really interesting was like most unusual injury because people have really interesting stories around that. And then you remember like that person so much better as like, oh, yeah, the guy that stepped on a sea urchin and it, it just sticks with you. I also asked a question once in a session about what people think is the most underrated color. And, you know, we had like teal gray wine red and then someone came in late and i asked them and they said skin color which i just thought was a great response because it could just be anything like I, I just thought that that was such a unique response energizers post break so so important people go on a break they check their emails they're kind of out of the session um, maybe you know they, they had a lot of fun on the break around the coffee machine so I definitely think music is a good way to do this. I've been in workshops where as you go through, you can request a song and they make like a little playlist. And as you come back in, uh, there's music to really like pump up the jam. And I'm very guilty of putting Timber on or anything Black Eyed Peas because 2008 was the gold standard oh, of music. Wow. And fight me if you do not agree.
1: <laughs> do you know, um, what what's his name? James... A- a Custer like he's a British comedian and his whole jazz is about proving to everyone that 2016 was the best year in music yeah so I feel like you can have a very similar mission with 2000. it might just
0: be the age and stage but it was just like wholesome like straight up wholesome <laughs> straight up fun um yeah I always think the Black Eyed Peas and Pitbull can always get the party started Definitely. and I, I will take that opinion to my grave um also if the health and safety regulations aren't too stringent wherever you're running a workshop I've had great success with like bringing in like balls or like little like bean bags or even like little beanie babies and when you're trying to hear from people you get in a circle and they will throw hopefully underhand like hopefully they don't smoke the person in the face but they will throw like the beanie baby across the room and then that person like shares their thoughts or opinions. It gets people like alert and awake because they don't want to be hit in the face with a beanie baby. But it's also a great way to kind of not have to call on people.
2: I think that would work if everyone had decent moto skills, unfortunately, I think I've been socked in the face too many times because like, I'm just so bad at catching things. Um, I think that's a great shout though, because obviously you can't, you have to be alert and like catch a thing so that you don't get hit in the face. But yeah, I think that's a great tip, except that would probably never work with me.
0: It's the element of danger that makes the workshop successful.
1: Oh, yeah. What I also love about these tips is that it really humanizes the stakeholders almost. Like Not that we usually dehumanize them, but it's just like we see a lot of the more senior stakeholders like, the scary person with, like, I don't know, strong opinions. And I feel like all of these tips really help bring the group together and maybe kind of see everyone as equal rather than be scared of someone, um, someone's kind of, like, title.
0: For sure. It's really humbling to see senior leadership get pelted in the face with a beanie baby. It really shows (laughs) us we are
1: all truly human. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love
0: that. Another thing um, that I'm so sad we can't do virtually, unless you really plan ahead, but is to incentivize people with candy. Unless, you know, you post people like a small snack size KitKat two weeks early. Um, but when you are in person, it is great to have candy lying around, candy as a reward even, throwing the candy at people as a reward.
2: If you have the budget, actually, if you work for a really plush company, I think people in the past have actually sent like gift boxes or sort of like workshop packs to participants of the workshop, It's especially in these like virtual working times um, where they essentially just kind of give them like post-its, any sharpies, some popcorn or some snacks as well. And I think that's a really, really nice touch if you can, if you have the budget for it. But yeah, certainly I think bribing people with candy is a really, really good one because um, it just helps to pick up their energy levels so much and it is kind of fun to see people
0: initially in the first half of the workshop be like no no no, I'm trying to be good but then like in the second half of the workshop are like I'm tired there's candy sitting in front of me it's been here all day like shoveling it into their purses or like their briefcases so definitely who who doesn't love candy
1: the ceo surrounded by candy wrappers yeah why not and
0: then you can play aaron's card aaron carter's i want candy as part of the playlist so
1: lauren i don't think i've ever been in one of your workshops and i feel like i missed that you have what? to come why? to one of them <laughs> why have we worked together for so long and i haven't had the pleasure it's yeah
0: yeah fun not fun is like the top of my priority list because i i feel like then you don't get the people standing at the back of the room being like, oh, let me go, like, take a call. I just need to get away because if it's fun, people will come back and they want to get involved. They want to share their opinions. So I think it's just such a underrated element of workshops. Um, and it makes, you know, the day feel different because they're already taking time out of their schedules and it's already a bit of a faff. So really incentivize them through fun. And then, of course, we've got bringing humor. So there's nothing I love more than like an outdated like meme slide that facilitators try to put in like to make themselves seem hip and relatable. I I think that, yeah, bringing humor is a great way to just kind of create that fun and casual environment. And of course, making it a really safe space. So kind of reiterating when you first start off your workshop to really leave your badge at the door. That while we're having Beanie Babies pelted at us, we are all equals. No one is better than another person. Love that so much.
1: And that brings us to (laughs) the last step, which is plan for the unexpected. And the unexpected might be being kind of like hit by Beanie Babies. (laughs) So always be prepared and plan for it. But some tips there, I think... This one is probably one of my favorite because I'm such like an anxious mess at times and I have been described as intense and I want things to like, I don't know, make sure that they're on time and everything. And I think planning for the unexpected has really allowed me in the past to just enjoy the workshop rather than worry about not having enough time. Um, or worry about not getting the kind of goals met that we kind of started with. So yeah, this is my favorite for anyone who struggles with the same things. Always make sure that, let's say, if you think you need, let's say, three hours, then maybe do it three hours and a half. Or if you think you need an hour, maybe do an hour and 15. Always kind of build in time that you can recoup. Another great tip is to kind of have dress rehearsals. So if you are facilitating with someone else, make sure that you're always on the same page. And this is particularly easy, I guess, if you maybe do the same workshops over and over again. But if you are kind of facilitating for the first time with someone, just make sure you communicate and always um, know exactly who is responsible for what. I think one that... Lauren probably kind of already touched on is to always have these energizers at the back of your of your pocket when you kind of look at the room and see that maybe people are kind of like slouching in their chairs, checking their phone, opening their laptops and stuff. Always have kind of like a little energizing um, activity in your back pocket. Hit them with a beanie baby. (laughs) Who knows? And one kind of like other tip I have that I It was a game changer when I heard of it. Again, from the parents of the pod, um, Niels and Norman. It's the parking lot. So the parking lot in a physical environment is just like a big sheet of paper where we put post-it notes for things that are not part of the workshop. So we all have been there where someone has some great idea that has nothing to do with why we're there. Or people constantly kind of chip in with things that might go wrong but aren't really realistic, or anything that basically deviates from the goals but you think are important to discuss at a later time can be put on a post it note and then that post it note can be put in the metaphorical parking lot. I think that really helps make sure that your goal, the goals for your workshop are met while also making sure that people are listened to so we don't want to shut down people and say that has nothing to do with the workshop we say this is great we'll record it put it in the parking lot and discuss it at a later date and yeah it's it's a real uh, saver what about you two what what kind of tips do you have maybe that really saved you in the past
2: for me what works really well is especially when say we're trying to come up with some ideas or design a product i think it often really works well to have sources of inspiration. And when I was working in the innovation team within my current company, what I really, really liked was uh, just kind of beforehand coming up with these different examples of products that could, or, or services that could inspire our stakeholders because, um, or just simply ask them an open question like what products are you inspired by? And, and then sort of like pulling that up with really visual examples Um, where they can kind of sift through all of the examples that we've created and pick out things that really appeal to them. And I think that um, maybe as a product designer, that really helps you kind of understand what they're looking for and helps you understand also why they prefer to model maybe the product that we're designing on some examples that they like. One really fun activity that we had for this, back when workshops were actually held in a physical space, was um, we used to come up with all of these inspirational cards as an example and then we'd essentially form like some sort of art gallery. So we would have maybe um a brick wall and then we kind of hand out these cards that were really nice, you know, with like printed examples on them. And then just ask the stakeholders to sort of like stick things that they were inspired by up on the brick wall. So it became almost like an art gallery of sorts and then kind of take a step back and ask people to talk about what inspired them. And I think just kind of making this a bit more Visual and I think a bit more creative really helped um, the stakeholders in the room engage with those examples. So that's one tip um, that I have. This is a, a smaller one,
0: but I can't stress the importance of name tags enough, both for you as a facilitator, but also if you break out into smaller teams for the team members to all know everyone's names so oftentimes right off the bat of an in-person workshop i'd encourage people to get the really big kind of adhesive name tags and you encourage people to write their name um, but then also maybe like a hobby and it's always actually a really great thing to get people to draw because most people aren't you know using and amazing at drawing but it's it's always a way that you know everyone turns to one another and they're like oh I'm so bad at drawing and it's kind of like a real moment to bond and it's also really funny to try to it's a conversation starter if you really don't know what they've drawn on their name tag to kind of uh get people chatting and then like on some of the more virtual workshopping tools like mural you can get people to grab a post-it um you can already have the pre-set out colors um but then you can get them to upload an icon to the post-it as well um and then they just copy it throughout the workshop and like that's how you keep track of who said what
1: oh I quite like that especially if you want to keep it anonymous right
0: yeah and yeah if you want to keep it anonymous then you know it can just be as simple as like just a colored post-it if you need to like especially anonymize it like at the end of a workshop what you can do is you can have the name Uh, with all the different colors um, locked. And then you can have one post-it note, say if I've got yellow, it would say Lauren, that layer would be locked. Then there's a post-it with a light bulb on it for ideas. That's yellow. Then below that there's a yellow post-it with like a question mark and that's for questions. And so like, as you're going through the workshop, you can kind of drag your questions and answers around the mural board. Um, And then if you have to anonymize it at the end, you just delete the the names. Mm. Um, so that way it like it helps you while you're facilitating to know that like, I am yellow. But at the same time, at the end, if you need to anonymize, you can just wipe out any trace of um, who's connected to what color.
1: Oh, that's very really cool.
0: So speaking of mural and other kind of digital workshopping tools, how have you guys found that workshops have changed due to kind of COVID and lockdown? And how
1: have you adapted? I have really, really loved Mural slash Miro since we've we've been using both. And I think it really helped with recording and sharing outputs. I absolutely love the fact that at the end of the workshop, I can just send people a link to the board and everyone has the same kind of understanding of what has happened in the workshop, because sometimes I feel like when you're transcribing things of post-it notes and taking pictures and sending them to people it's not the same as being in the room but looking at the mural while you're in the workshop and looking at the mural afterwards I feel like it's kind of a similar experience therefore you remember better what happened so I really really love the tools I think it also makes the prep so much easier so if you remember in like you had to go into the room like an hour before and set up the room and make sure Everyone has enough post-it notes and markers, and it was so much more prep time. But here, you probably just set up some sort of template, or it—it definitely takes a lot less time. And I also think it can be a lot more inclusive. So, it with in-person ones, if someone couldn't travel that day, or if someone just couldn't be there, then you obviously lose their voice. But you don't really have that excuse um, when it's over Zoom. So I really like that. There obviously are disadvantages, but I think I'm such a fan that I'm kind of seeing it with rose-colored glasses. Um, and yeah, you probably have more on that.
2: Yeah, I actually just want to agree with everything you said. I definitely think that it just makes prep so much easier. Like, you know, you can, I mean, I wouldn't advocate this, but you can essentially just kind of change things down to the last minute, especially because, you know, if you're using a whiteboarding tool it's just a link that you have to send around to people, and you can pretty much uh, kind of change things even up to the last minute if, if you want it to. That being said, I think something that I've observed um, is sometimes people don't always know how to use these tools, especially if they're quite new to them. So I think just being mindful of that fact and setting aside some time at the start of your workshop to run through the basics of using Miro or Miro or kind of how it works, um i think what really works well for this is just maybe setting up a separate board with you know some examples of post-its and kind of taking people through how to create a new post-it or how to fill one in um and i think that just really helps set them up for the workshop so that they're able to make use of the tools um as much as possible that's pretty much yeah what what i think
0: yeah you i i love that thought especially yeah the separate board and there are actually like activities in mural where You can have like a swim lane for everyone and there are tasks it's like task one like create a post-it task two change the color of the post-it um and you kind of see like people going through that activity so you can see if there are people maybe that the second facilitator can reach out to maybe during the break and just help them out of it um and i've also as kind of an energizer but also a way to get to learn to use features of mural i've seen these little podiums that have, like, first place, second place, third place. And you have a quote, like, letting the cat out of the bag. And then you have a contest to see who can, like, add the best GIF into the mural. And then at the end, like, you as the facilitator just, like, drag your favorite one to the top of the podium. Um, I think that that's a really fun virtual organizer. In lieu of not being able to whip Beanie
1: Babies at people's faces through, through the laptop. So. Something I miss yeah. a lot. I love that tip. It's, it's also like always nice to have a GIF in a- any form of digital environment, so yeah. Definitely. I would also say that the locking tool is
0: excellent and that every virtual facilitator should be using that um, because yeah, people don't really know how to use mural boards and sometimes they'll just come in and panic and like just select everything and drag it. Um, and you know the the physical equivalent of that is just all of your like whiteboard or like large white sheets just falling down to the ground because your tape wasn't strong enough or you're not allowed to pin things to the wall so lock it lock it up
2: I'd also say that one thing that just came to mind is depending on what tool you use to conduct some of these workshops like it could be zoom or it could be google meet or you know microsoft teams which i think we've all used quite a lot um sometimes when you do have a lot of people in the room it might be quite difficult to get everyone's opinions in which case like breakout rooms definitely help and um, just kind of thinking maybe upfront how you want to split people out to ensure an even split of opinion or, you know, just kind of maybe putting some people who don't normally work together together that can be really good for getting a diversity of opinions um, and just kind of setting up those breakout rooms and making sure people have a safe and sort of like small environment in which they can interact and share their thoughts of each other. I think breakout rooms um, have been such a good addition to some of these software tools we're using to run workshops.
0: Yeah, and I'd have to say, so I've done some workshops recently, and we haven't been able to actually use like Miro or Miro. So that that has actually been quite a challenge. Um, And I would say encouraging people to keep their video on is so important. But as we know, you know, as a workshop drags on, especially a virtual one, people turn their cameras off. So just a tip, if you're using kind of Teams after a break if you get people that are back to like put their hand up like the hand up feature it's great to know who's back because otherwise you have no clue about numbers
1: so just just a top tip i really like that yeah because someone can just not be there and you might be kind of going on with the workshop and they just didn't have the opportunity to contribute
0: yeah it's just good to know like Who's there, who's not. And you can also kind of, like, make it a little bit fun by making it to le- into, like, a Simon Says. Especially with teams, because it's, like, you know, there's, like, the clap feature, like, the heart feature, all this stuff. Uh, hands up. So, you can kind of be, like, give us a heart feature. Give us a hands up. Simon Says, put your, like, hand up. So, just to make it, like, a little bit more fun in these virtual times. Yeah. But I realized that was actually reverse Simon Says. Because it's supposed to be like, when you don't say Simon Says, but whatever. (laughs) Whatever. The camp counsellors are going to write in and be very upset.
2: How dare you? You got Simon Says wrong. So, Lauren Lavinia, what do you think have been your best or worst memories of workshops? Anyone care to share?
0: Yeah, so I've experienced a lot of really good workshops in my day. I think the most important thing is that they're fun and engaging. But I have been in a workshop that was really well run, but just participants weren't willing to play ball. Um, we were also we'd gone from the UK to Madrid, and so everyone just wanted to be outside. Um, so the facilitators had a really difficult task ahead of them, and no one wanted to answer any of their questions. I I don't know if at that point they could have like introduced like a point system, like if a certain table answers you know question they get like a point and kind of add a layer of competitive nature to it i feel very uncomfortable with awkward silences which is something you can actually use to your advantage as a workshop facilitator but the facilitators of the workshop i was partaking in would ask a question and i would constantly answer because i just felt like so bad and like i needed to throw them a bone but it got to the point where they were like please anyone but lauren so i just felt bad for them you can't compete with like the madrid sun in a workshop so
2: tragic I I do remember that, though, because I guess everyone must have been indoors for at least like 10 hours a day. And yeah, when when that happens and you don't really get breaks out in the sun, it must be quite difficult to get the attention of your audience. So yeah, sorry, um, Madrid Workshop facilitators. (laughs) I guess we can empathise or, you know, sort of jointly commiserate. I don't know if this
1: is because I haven't been at work for a while. But nothing just kind of comes to mind as really good or really bad. Um, I think all of the workshops I've been in have been well moderated. And I think we got what we wanted out of them. But I don't really have any kind of like, oh my god, this was great. Or this was this was bad. So yeah, I'll have to pass this one. <laughs> but what about you, Yusin?
2: So I think right now nothing super disastrous comes to mind. But I think one of the first times I ran a design sprint workshop I felt like that was actually a really good experience for me because I ran it together with someone else in my team and we were working in the innovation team at the time and we basically had to run a design sprint that was compressed into literally like two days so really not that much time just to play back some of the user research that we did and then kind of work with the stakeholders to come up with a product idea for addressing you know um, our design challenge it was great for me because initially the stakeholders especially this person who was really really senior he just wasn't bought into the whole idea of you know like this style of working really collaboratively and just the whole idea of you know like wireframing or user research I think at the start of the workshop he was like a little bit skeptical had quite a frosty attitude and I remember we were talking about our general approach over these two days and he was like what's a wireframe why is this useful like what exactly are we trying to do with this and I think just being really really well prepared like that was again you know back when we ran this in person so me and my colleague we actually went to the venue a day in advance, like set everything up, like made sure we had a really clear agenda, like broke down the ground rules, kind of broke down the key design question and just stuck it up in really visible places so that when we were running the actual workshop, we could kind of point people to these things on the wall uh, and just try to remind them why we were in the room, what some of the house rules were and what we really wanted to get to at the end of the day. And I think because of that, upfront preparation we did. I think the workshop ran really smoothly. We were able to get them really engaged and inspired and, you know, came up with lots of ideas through techniques such as crazy eights. And I think that really helped to prove the value of working in a collaborative environment like that. The other thing that I think probably worked quite well was we had so many people in the room that we decided to make this stakeholder who was very skeptical about the process sort of our key decision maker so that when people were finding it really difficult to prioritize things, um, we kind of let him call the shots because he was the one ultimately responsible for this product. And I think also kind of giving him that added responsibility really helped to make him more enthusiastic about the general process and helped to get that buy-in. Mm-hmm. So for me, that was an example of uh, quite quite a successful workshop because we were ultimately able to convince someone who was so sceptical about the value of doing this.
1: Have you found that his attitude impacted the rest of the attendees, or were they just kind of being themselves and not being impacted by him?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think people did definitely get more psyched up as well. It wasn't just him, actually, who was maybe kind of skeptical or had some questions about this approach because it's such a new way of working. I think everyone was initially a bit confused about why we were doing this, but definitely as, you know, he became more enthusiastic, like you could tell that the rest of the room as well really enjoyed doing this. And I think just kind of stepping back and giving them the space to come up with their own ideas and playing more of that facilitator role rather than actively trying to push, you know, any thoughts or preconceived notions we might have had about this product onto them. I think that definitely helped to get buy-in from the rest of the group as well.
1: Yeah, awesome. That sounds great.
0: And yeah, just on workshops, I think it's so interesting because there's nothing better than a well-run workshop. But at the same time, there is nothing more exhausting than a workshop. I don't know how you guys feel after a workshop. It's like just that breath once everyone is like out of the room or out of the mural is like... (gasps) you've been on for so long. So now we've got a call from the Hotline Design Hotline. So hopefully we can help our friend Alistair.
1: Hello, Hotline Design Hotline. I'm Alistair, a long time listener and a first time caller. As a product owner, I've done a lot of workshops in the past and I always seem to take ages trying to digitize the post-it notes something tells me you've got a tip on how I can make this process take less time and be more effective
0: thank you so much for calling in Alistair yeah so a few tips from my end I would say there is a post-its app which is post-its app pro which is really great at being able to, it recognizes like brand name post it So if you've got like a worksheet with a bunch of, or like a board with a bunch of post-its stuck up, you can hold your camera in front of it and it will like pick up on all the various squares and then it will kind of digitize them. Unfortunately, it doesn't recognize like the text inside as like it won't convert that to text, but especially if you need to kind of create a visual especially like in a slide deck of like all the post-it notes, I think that's a really good option. And I would also say Siri, leverage Siri for dictation. So if you do have to like digitize the content of things that have been written down, whether they be on post-its or just more kind of long form, you can always, yeah, open an email on your phone using any like voice recognition, um, use Siri or, the, or any other tool And start kind of talking and it will put it in text and then you just email it to yourself. And I find it's a lot faster than just simply typing it out.
2: Those are great ideas. I've personally never used that, but I should really start using technology to my advantage. Um, That sounds amazing. (laughs) I think what I've done in the past is when we've held physical workshops, what I like to do is use a free app called CamScanner and i just like to take a picture or really take a scan of all the post its so that you can kind of adjust the image resolution and the image quality and it becomes much cleaner as a scan which you know i can then use to refer back to when i'm typing up these post its that being said i think with the transition to re- to remote working and running virtual workshops i think it's become a bit easier if you already you know are using whiteboarding tools to get these post-its, then what you can do is simply cut and paste the text from them, which is really good. One thing, I feel like I still maybe haven't cracked how exactly to be more efficient, I think I'm a bit old school in that sense, because right now what I'm doing with user research is I actually start sort of like transcribing or taking down a few notes on my laptop as I'm doing the user interviews. And then what I then do is essentially look back through my transcripts and start pulling out key quotes or trying to code some of the data. So like putting a theme to them. And then what I would then do is just literally cut and paste the quotes into any sort of tool that allows you to record these post-its virtually, I don't currently have access to Miro or Mural, unfortunately, so what I'm essentially doing is using something like Figma or um, Adobe XD, where you have like plugins for post-its and just kind of pasting all of that data in there, and that's kind of my general process.
1: I completely relate to to kind of what you just said. I, I feel like I'm pretty old school myself, I just take pictures and then I, let's say we asked a how might we question, and we had the post-it notes underneath. I just basically transcribed that as how might we make the windows cleaner? I don't know, I'm just making stuff up. (laughs) And then- This is a workshop I want to attend. (laughs) I know, I'm just looking out a window and I couldn't think of anything else. And yeah, you you basically ask your how might we question, let's say, and then I put that as the title and then all the post-it notes underneath, I transcribe them as kind of bullet points And then I kind of send those documents or maybe upload it to a common space. So, yeah, I don't think I'm very efficient. The only idea I have is just delegate. (laughs) Maybe someone else can do it. Um, And that would kind of free up some of your time. Obviously, that's not always an option. I know when I was doing it, that definitely wasn't an option. I was probably the most junior person in the team. And that's why I was doing it. But as the product owner, I feel like you're not the most junior person in the team. So not that you should delegate tedious tasks to junior people. I'm definitely not saying that. But there probably is someone that can support. um, And it's always good to ask for help. You're such a boss now, Lavinia. I know.
2: I know. Just hitting them with like that please fix. Exactly.
0: I've gone up in the world. Amazing. I can just see you with like the biggest shoulder pad, blazer. Being
1: like, let's go team, let's delegate, let's break this down. Uh, I'm like, I left the room, I don't transcribe anything, you do it.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I absolutely love it. Well, Alistair, we hope those tips have helped and we hope that your next workshop goes super well. So thank you so much for calling in to Hotline Design Hotline. And as always, if you have a question, Please feel free to submit it to anchor.fm/hotline design pod, and that just about does it for the podcast this week. Uh, make sure to tune in on Wednesdays for our latest episode, and you can find us as always at Hotline Design Pod on Instagram and Hotline Design at gmail.com. Thanks so much, everyone.
2: Thank you. See you next week. We're sorry. You have reached a number that has been disconnected. Please check the number and try your call again.